This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. You know, we've been uh, talking about the topic of high ground for several weeks now, and uh, I'd like to kind of look at that just a wee bit more, but I want to talk about the high ground adventure. How many of you like an adventure? I think pretty much everybody likes an adventure. That's what that song was talking about. You know, a great adventure. You know, I, I uh, think about it quite often. Uh, and usually when I meet somebody who's come to the church, I'll tell them, you know, that God's not boring. He made kangaroos and elephants and porcupines and giraffes and zebras and monkeys and flying squirrels and you and me, you know. So God is not boring at all. He has a, a fantastic creativity, and he made us in his image, to be honest with you. And uh, he doesn't want learning about him to be boring. He really doesn't. And that's why I, I don't have one today, but I usually have a brown paper bag. <laughs> Did y'all remember my brown paper bag last week? You don't remember it? Uh-huh. Yes, I didn't use it. I never got to it, you know. had too much to say. But usually we do because God wants to keep us on the edge of our seat. He wants us to be excited about him. And he wants us to live this great adventure, this high adventure that he's created for us. Listen to what the scripture says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. That's what he tells us right here. Now, an adventure is an exciting or an unusual experience. It may also be a, a bold risk, you know, uh, uh, you know with a, an uncertain outcome. Adventures, you don't necessarily know the, the, how it's going to end up necessarily. Adventures may be activities with potential for psychological or financial risk and physical danger, such as uh, skydiving and mountain climbing and, you know, participating in extreme sports and things like that. Have, have you been involved in any of those extreme sport kinds of things like that? Some of you are doing like this. I want my wife to know or my husband to know, you know. Okay. But we started with this. It says, God got you started in this spiritual adventure. It is an adventure. And I am telling you, it is absolutely fantastic, you know. And this, is a, this adventure is a life of faith. And I would challenge you, before you go to bed tonight, read Hebrews chapter 11. It just talks about these men and women of faith and the wild and crazy things that they did. And the angels of God are still recording things. Although you don't see it showing up in your Bible, they're being documented. You know, I'm sure you'll be in that book of Hebrews chapter 11 about men and women of faith who, who trusted and believed in Almighty God. So uh, let me read you something out of Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, and it is impossible, impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And we know what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing his word. So as we study together what the Bible says, as 
you read it at home or study it, read a little devotions, have a little Bible study or something, you, you have those passages in your heart and your mind and you think about them, you chew on them, it produces faith. He said faith comes by hearing and we know the scripture says all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible. That's what he tells us, you know. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is a awesome, fantastic life of adventure with Almighty God, our Creator. You remember in the Bible, there was these two uh, blind men, and they had been hearing all that was going on, all the activity, the commotion. People were coming to hear Jesus. Jesus was healing sick people. He even raised some dead people. He provided miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus did. He came showing how much he loved and he cared about people. And these two blind men had heard about it. You know, and they were stumbling down this old rocky path, rocky road, to where they heard that Jesus was spending the night that night. And they're coming down there. They find their way in. They come right into the <clears throat> their house and they're saying, Oh, Lord, please, heal us, heal us. And Jesus asked them a question. And Jesus said, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord, we believe. And then Jesus made a statement. And this statement is still true today as it was that day. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And the Bible says that their eyes were instantly opened and they were praising God. But he told them, according to your faith, be it unto you. And when you read the Bible and you hear things talked about in the Bible and you say, I don't believe that, that's okay. You'll never experience that. Jesus said, according to your faith. If you believe that God can come through and help you in your times of need, he can. But you tie his hands. Well, I don't believe that. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. But you can have as much as you want. You really can. Now, let me ask you, if, if you want bigger muscles and you want a healthier body, can you exercise some discipline and change the way you eat? And go to a gym and begin to have a coach and work out. Can you get stronger and healthier? Yes. You can. And that's discipline. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing his word. You can have as much faith as you want. Genuinely, if you'll exert the discipline to read his word, to understand it, to hide it in your heart, chew on it, meditate on it a little bit. It's amazing the adventure that God has. And I'm talking about a high adventure that he has for each and every one of us. That's just the way it is. <clears throat> Has your faith, you know, taken you to high adventures lately? Think about it. Has your faith taken you there? God wants you to have a fantastic, full, exciting life. That's what he's, his desire is for us. Uh, let me read you something in the book of John. Chapter 10, verse 10 and Jesus is talking, he says, the thief, who we know, as you'll read it in context, he's talking about the devil. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. Anything in your life that has to do with killing, stealing, and destroying. Whether it's stealing your dreams, your hopes, your health, your relationships, destroying it, killing it, you know, stealing it away from you, that's the devil's work. That is. And it says, let me read the whole thing. Jesus said, the thief 
does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, I have come that they, talking about you and me, may have life. That's that high ground adventure, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Another translation says, they'll have life in all of its fullness. Another translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another translation says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You know, and, and, and that's what Jesus has told us. Let me uh, read you something that John Bailey said. He said, I thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast so set eternity within my heart that no earthly thing can ever satisfy me wholly, completely. There's something in us that's a little bit empty always because there's a God-sized hole in us. And we can try to put all kinds of stuff in it, but it just doesn't fill us up. We're a little bit on the empty side when we leave him out of that equation, out of that picture. Um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your life. Can you understand that? Can you understand a wife telling her husband, you keep away from anything that would take my place in your life? Or vice versa, right? And the scripture is telling us to keep away from anything that would take God's place, you know, in our life. Where we worship something else other than God. That is priority. It's more important than anything else to us. Well, the book of Daniel, powerful passage, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Listen to what it says. This is amazing. It's a wonderful passage. Daniel eleven thirty-two says, The people that do know their God, not just know about him, not just know about him historically, you know, but it says the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Heroic acts, heroic deeds here, you know. The people who know their, just knowing about him, well, I took a history class, I studied about the life of Jesus, you know, and this and that, and I, oh, I know he did this, and, you know, and I, I, I know that Socrates did this, and, and I know that Caesar did this. If you just learn about it historically, there's no power. But he says, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits, heroic acts, and heroic deeds. You know, we all long, I believe, to do great things. We all long to be on this great adventure, you know. And uh, we must just raise the level <clears throat> of our faith you know, to a whole nother level. And you can have as much faith as you want. You really can. Um, or you can speak to a mountain and that the mountain will be moved. It could be a mountain of debt, a mountain of fear, anxiety. It could be a mountain of any kind. And if you'll read that in the book of Mark, chapter 11, you will read for it talks about you. Jesus tells you how to move a mountain. You're going, I don't believe that. That's okay. You'll never see a mountain moved. That's all right. But I think there's some people who have some mountains, some obstacles in their path that we'd like to see moved. And we'll follow 
Jesus' example as he teaches us in his word, you can experience that and be on a great adventure where God is alive, not just some historical figure, you know. To experience victory after victory and mighty demonstrations of God's love, to be a valiant warrior of truth, be able to slay the giants of doubt and fear. Well, you know what we got to do? We got to stand our ground and knowing Almighty God, and we can do these great, you know, exploits that the Bible talks about. Does any giants ever stand in your path and say, you shall not pass? A giant of fear, a giant of anxiety, a giant of worry. And it can be a financial giant. You know, it's like, you know, you stop right here. And we know about a guy named David in the Bible. He was a young, very young man, you know, and he took a simple little old weapon called a sling, just a piece of leather, had a little pouch in it. Here you put a stone in it. And he took out the greatest warrior that had ever lived, nine foot tall, you know, a, a warrior. He was a champion of the Philistine army, and David took him out. And I'm telling you, David is listed as one of the men of faith. All right. He did it because what he believed. And he believed in Almighty God. And that giant was cursing the name of his God. And David kept looking at his brothers were part of the war, you know, the the warriors and all there. And everybody was hiding in the rocks. And David said, did y'all hear? Did y'all hear that? Somehow I'll do something. And nobody was doing anything. But I'm telling you, men and women, boys and girls, who believe God, who put their trust in God, God is alive and he's still on the move. I'm telling you, he genuinely is. Listen to what it says here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, yes, everything else is worthless. That means it's, it's uh, insignificant, you know. It's useless. It's, it's empty. It's, it's hollow. He says, yes, everything else is worthless. And can you imagine this? You're on a ship, you're out at sea somewhere or another, and the, the, the waves are coming, and you're, you're overloaded in your ship, and uh, then you've got the either goods you're going to sell or goods that you've already bought and picked up. Now, when it comes to the choice between saving the, your life and your family's life or saving the goods that you bought or you're going to sell, which is most important? Would it not be? Y'all having a hard time with that question? <laughs> It'd be saving your life and your children's life. Got it? Okay. That's going to coach you a little bit here. All right. So you can understand at that point, I don't care if there may be boxes of gold. But the thing is, it's like how good is that gold going to do you when you and those boxes of gold are on the bottom of the ocean? You know what I'm saying? So you could understand what he's saying here. Yes, everything else is worthless. Everything else is worthless. And he goes on to say, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything is worthless compared to knowing Jesus. All the other stuff that I have, all the possessions that I own, they are, they're empty, they're hollow. They're, they're, they're worthless compared. If I have a choice between having that material stuff and having a close relationship with Jesus, what's the most important? The material, the Bible says you can, you know, what, what profit do you have if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? 
Okay, maybe we live to be 90 or 100. But what happens after that? There is a heaven and a hell, you see. And what's the most important thing for us and for our, our, our families and all? Anyhow, let me read again. We'll move on. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And we just read in Daniel about those who know, those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits, great, you know, deeds and adventure, uh, uh, you know, actions and all. Uh, Lewis Drummond said, when all's been said and done, only one thing ultimately matters. Do you know God? And are you ready for eternity? You know, if the Bible tells us, actually the Bible promises us basically in certain situations that he, he gives us, you know, 70 years to live. That's what he, he tells us in his word. There's some people like Millie, she lived to be 101 or two. But you know, we're pilgrims. If we live to be 130, we're pilgrims that are passing through. We're not going to stay here in this old world as it is, we know that. The scripture tells us that. So you got to make things right between you and God. And are you prepared for eternity, that day when you will stand before God? Are you prepared for that? It's a question I'm asking. You know, so it says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Hmm. Now, Jesus was talking to his father about you and me, talking about believers. And this is what he said in John chapter 17, verse 3. And it says, and this is eternal life. We're going to find a secret here. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. This is Jesus talking. He's talking about him and the father and us. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. You, you will never, and people do this all the time, but you will never benefit by this concept. It's like, you know, I get to heaven, God's going to weigh my, my good and my bad, and if my good outweighs my bad, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. God didn't say that. The only way we get to heaven is the simplest, just to believe in him, to accept him. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short. And he'll just forgive us. Just like that. We accept him into our life. It's an issue of faith. That's what the Bible tells us. It's not of our works. That's any man can boast about it. It's believing and receiving him. That's what he's telling us. And he says, and this is eternal life. This is eternal life. This is how you know you have eternal life. That they may know you. To know God. You, know, no, no, you, you really can't know God. Oh, yes, you can. Would you rather have just a book of rules? Well, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and do, do that and do, do that and this, that and another. And all it's like, no, nowhere. God has always declared it in his word. He wants a relationship. Well, how can you have that? It's a relationship that's based upon faith. Can you have a relationship with somebody you can't see? How many of y'all text people that you've never seen yet? Is it possible? Absolutely. How many of you have read a letter from someone? Same as texting or email, you know. God has sent us his words, has he not? He's been communicating with us. He's our creator. He's got a purpose and a plan for us. And we will have the potential to spend eternity with him one day. Anyhow, let me pick back up here. One more time, Philippians 3, 
Verse 8, it says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Verse 9 says, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Depends on faith, believing in him. And you can have as much faith as you want because faith comes by hearing. So keep your faith growing. Keep your faith growing. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ. And those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And he says here, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I'm telling you that the power of the resurrection is available to God's children. And that just means those who believe in him. You know, that, that resurrection power is available to us all. I'm going to read that to you out of a, uh, the Amplified Bible. It's just a, um, a translation that has incorporated the definitions of the words into it. And it says here in verse 10, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, to know him, all that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And I am telling you, the great adventure that God promises to us all he allows that resurrection power to flow to us. And there are men and women who have done things you go, how in the world could a man or a woman do that? It's, it's miraculous almost, you know. But that's God. You know, greater is Christ who is in us than the devil is in this world. And God wants his power to flow to us. And if you'll think about it, when Peter left his boat and his net to follow Jesus, you remember that? You know, Jesus said, hey, follow me. And Peter left his fishing boat in the nets to follow. And Jesus said, I'll make you become a fisher of men. You know, that you'll rescue men and you'll bring them into my kingdom. And uh, Peter's the only man I know of other than Jesus who walked on water. When Jesus said, you know, Peter, come. And Peter hopped out of a perfectly functioning boat to stand on water, you know. I think that's a pretty good adventure. Now, I know I haven't told too many of you this, but I have, in my life, had an opportunity to walk on water. Of course, it was frozen, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> some of y'all done that, too. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 says, and uh, could we read this out loud together? It says, Matthew 19, 26, it says, with God, all things are possible. I'm going to tell you, with him all things are possible. That was Jesus who said that. I'm 63 years old, and I've known Christ since I was a teenager. And I am telling you, everything the Bible says is true. Now, if you, you know, have not did your part, we've got to meet our conditions, right? If, if you're going to lift, you know, a certain amount of weight, you've got to do your part, your discipline, you know. We've got to do our part. And he says faith comes by hearing. His word. So we got to do our part. It's important that we do. Now, I do believe part of that is for us to abandon, to walk away from a lot of stuff that will take God's place in our life. Stuff that leaves us empty and hollow. And so we need to abandon some stuff. All that guilt, all that condemnation, that sin just weighs you down, steals the joy of your life. 
But when Jesus went to the cross and he shed his blood, he was our sacrifice. He took the bullet for us. And he forgives us. And then once you and I have believed and received this gift of forgiveness, then we have this fantastic adventure to share that good news with other people. And I want to tell you how fantastic is that? Do you know somebody who is carrying the guilt and the shame and all of the past and they're just miserable? And to have the privilege to be able to share with them this fantastic, wonderful news, you know? I mean, up on the mountain behind my house, I've been up there many a time and people were lost. I've been called upon at times to help find people who were lost up, up there. And I bumped into people, speak to them, and they'd say, sir, do you know where I'm at? And it's just like, you're standing right there, you know? And <laughs> that wasn't what they meant, you know? But I've given several compasses away and said, listen, where'd you come from? Well, we don't know where we came in from. Well, you could come in at point A, point B, point C, D, and I'd try to find out. Then I'd give them a, a, my compass and show them how to read that thing to get back to where they're supposed to be. And you know, just a little compass reading uh, class right here, if you get out of your car and then you're going to go up the mountain and you're going to go north and you get up on the mountain, which way should you go back to your car? South. You're a very wise crowd of people, I tell you. <laughs> now, you may veer off a little bit to the east or a little bit to the west, and you can consider all those things in the puzzle. But what I'm saying, it is an absolute joy to help people who are lost. What an adventure it is to help people who are lost to find their way. Wouldn't it be fantastic if you're lost somewhere and somebody helped you? It is a fantastic adventure to nudge other people closer to God and to receive the forgiveness that you've received, you know, and, and, and just to kind of keep spreading that on and on and on. Uh, let me see here. Picking up at Luke chapter 5, verse 25, it says, and we, he, Jesus got through saying, he, he is going to show he had the authority to forgive sin. He told the man to stand up and walk. And verse 25 says, and immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up picked up his mat, and went home praising God. This actually happened. Verse 26 says, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. I mean, we're talking about a high ground adventure here. Everybody was gripped with this awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. How many of you have ever genuinely seen amazing things that God has done? He's amazing. And he comes through in amazing times. This timing is phenomenal. Anyhow, pick it up here in verse 27. It says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a, one of your favorite people, you know. <laughs> he saw a tax collector named Levi. And Levi means Matthew. And the first gospel in the New Testament written by Matthew, that's him. And it says, and he saw a tax collector named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Jesus said, follow me and be my disciples. And I want to tell you, Jesus is saying the same thing to you and to me today. Follow me and be my disciples. You'll be on the adventure of your life when you're following the Lord Jesus Christ who created this place in the first, you know, and that he has a plan for all of our lives. Anyhow, uh, <clears throat> verse 28 says, so Levi got up and left what? Yes. Like that song we were singing about, abandoned everything. He left everything. How could a man walk away from bags and bags and bags of gold? How could he just walk away from it? 
because it means nothing. We talk about this already. You can have closets and basements and attics filled with these little pictures of dead presidents on them, you know? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's cash. Okay, in case you want to serve. Oh, yeah, okay, got it. So if you can have all that stuff there, but what does it profit you? You can still have your dreams crushed and your hopes are crushed, and you get all this stuff, but what does it profit you if you're not healthy? What does it profit you if you have no relationships? What does it profit you if you feel the guilt and the shame of all the past, you know? What's the most important thing? Well, the Bible says if you'll put him first, you'll have everything else you need. That's a guaranteed also, but you just got to get your priorities in the right order. So it says in verse 28, so Levi got up, left everything, and he followed him talking about Jesus. And, and we're talking about stop playing it so safe. You go, Pastor Ron, you're saying that? Yeah, that's what I said. Stop playing it safe, you know? Matthew's empty life, his, his bored life, he needed an adventure, and he got one when he met Jesus. It says in verse 29, later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as a guest of honor. He invited all his friends over and said, I want you all to meet this guy, Jesus, who changed my life. I got purpose now. I know I'm forgiven. I feel like there's a 100-pound weight been lifted off of my shoulders, you know. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees, this is a religious people, the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Did Jesus ever call sinful people scum? No. He created them. He loves us. We've fallen, and he came here to rescue us, not to criticize us, you know. But the religious leaders did. Why do you meet with all the scum? Verse 31, Jesus answered them very wisely. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. See, following Jesus back then or following him today is a high ground adventure. When we choose, I'm going to do things the way Jesus did it. And I'm going to tell you, if, if somebody tells you that God's up there in heaven with a great big old stick ready to crack you over the head when he catches you doing something you ought not to be doing, they don't know God. Because my Bible says God is love. It don't say that God loves us only. It says he not only loves us, but he is love. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. Not to condemn us, but to just forgive us for whatever's in our past and give us a, another chance. Not a second chance, because we used that one up a long time ago. Did we not? Hmm. Anyhow, verse 32, it says, I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners and they need to repent. Change their direction is what repentance means. Now, do you have any idea... What sign? What, what, what will, will people recognize? What is some of the evidence of the Holy Spirit filling a man or a woman? Joy. Joy? That's good. Love. Love? All right. Forgiveness. Forgiveness? Patience. Patience? What we're talking about right now is accurate. It, it's, it's some of the fruit of the Spirit. And there's also the gifts of the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? So y'all right on target, 
But let me tell you the one that I want you to focus on, and it is the big one. It's why we have the fruit and why we have the gifts. It's for this reason. This is the greatest evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus is speaking here, and he says, but you will receive, what's that word? Power. power. Yeah, you don't go power. You go power. Now, I just want you to understand the word, okay? <laughs> but you shall receive power. That's what I'm talking about, okay? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, that's where they lived. In Judea, it's a little bit surrounding our town. Samaria, a little bit further out to the ends of the earth. He said the sign of having the Holy Spirit in you that you will be on this fantastic great adventure. You'll be a witness. Now listen, you, 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 don't have to, you don't have to go off to Bible school or the, uh, to the cemetery. I mean the seminary. <laughs> Lots of times are about the same. But, you know, that was terrible for me to say, but it's the truth. Don't study all the others. Study God's word, see. Study the Bible. But uh, it's important that we have the truth, which is God's word, and not just man's, you know, uh, explanation of it, what they think about it. But it's so important to know that you can share the good news that you've received. You can share it with someone else. There's nothing more valuable in the whole wide world than rescuing someone who's lost. Nothing like it in the whole wide world. Anyhow, let's move on. It says in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says, these, and, and, and the, the Jews stirred up the mobs of people because believers were coming in sharing what had happened. And that's the point I was trying to get to, a, a, a testimony you know, being a witness, all you do, if there's a little accident out there, a little fender bender in the road, a cop comes up and you go, well, I was standing here. What do they want to know? What did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? Well, this car was coming that way. This car ran out and hit him in the side, you know, or whatever it might have been. And that's what the judge is going to tell you in the courtroom. He says, Mr. Witness, please take the stand. Well, tell us, what did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? So you don't have to know everything about the Bible. All you have to do be is to be a witness is to tell what you have personally experienced so far. And that will change as time progresses, what you saw God do in your life, what you heard, you know, in his word. So you don't have to, you know, all you do is share what you know. You don't have to share what you don't know. And he says here, these, uh, what, what verse was I reading? Acts chapter 17, verse 6. He says, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. The, the mobs, all these believers, and they're turned the world upside down. Well, the truth of this is they really turn it right side up. Sin turned the world upside down in the first place. But the believers are talking and sharing, and they're leaving those religious systems where they were so judgmental and so critical and, and, and self-righteous and all. They're the ones, the religious people, the ones who nailed Jesus to the cross, you know. And uh, he says, these, they're all fussing. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. How would you like to be a part of God's movement? I'm not talking about some organized, you know, attack on this, that, and other. I'm talking about men and women who answer to God, 
who love him and they learn his ways and they graciously share the good news and, and the, 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 the life promises with the people who is in their sphere of influence. That's what I'm talking about right here. Um, I like the idea of being a part of God's movement. Benjamin Franklin once said, the man who does things makes many mistakes. You ever do anything? You ever made a mistake? Prove the point. He says, the man who does things makes many mistakes, but he never makes the biggest mistake of all, the mistake of doing nothing. Not living life, you know, playing it too safe to be honest with you. So believers um, were here. Listen to what it says. Th these believers were on a high adventure for God, you know, and they were sharing the good news of other people. And it says in Acts chapter 15, verse 26, it says, so those who have risked their lives for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know anybody who risked their life? What about firemen? Firemen, they risk their life, don't they? Policemen, military. There are so many men and women in so many areas and uh, careers, they do risk their lives. And they feel like that's a noble cause to live for. And I'm willing to risk. And, and we see that over and over on the mission field. We genuinely do. Are you on such an adventure? Do you have such a noble cause that you'd be willing to risk your life for? Policemen do it all the time. Firemen do it all the time. You know, first responders and, and, and their military, they, they risk, they, they know it's like, I'm willing to give my life to keep my family safe. I'm willing to rush into a burning building to rescue a couple of kids in there. I'm willing to face all the bad guys there to, to rescue those people who somebody broke into their home. You know, do we have a noble cause? You know, only one life, and soon it'll be passed, and only what we do for Christ truly will last. So let's stop playing it so safe and learn, learn to trust God just a little bit more. Um, a ship in the harbor. Can you picture this ship in the harbor? A ship in the harbor is safe. See a ship in a beautiful harbor. You know, it's anchored out there. The paint, the gloss of it, you know, shining the sun there. Beautiful sails. Imagine a sailboat. A ship in the harbor is safe. But that's not what ships were built for. Ships were designed and they were built to sail the seven seas. To face the giant waves and the storms. And I was talking to someone between the services, and we've, we know this is true. What do they do with battleships and all these great big liners and all when a storm comes in? They send them out into the ocean. They fare better out there than tied up against a bunch of other boats that are bumping together and all. You know what I'm talking about? I've seen that lots of different times. And so what did God create us for? Just to be safe? You know, just to be safe. I'm just going to sit here bored and just be safe, you know. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. Why bother, you know? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. What? What are you talking about? Because we serve Jesus. We live under this constant danger of death so that the life of Jesus will be obvious 
in our dying bodies. Is it obvious to other people that Christ lives in you? Do, do you remember Nate, Saint, and uh, there was five missionaries dealing with a primitive tribe, the Acu Indians. If you want to check it out, they have a movie about it. This happened years ago. It's called The End of the Spear. And, and this, everything, every part of that movie is true. And uh, they went there to share the gospel with a primitive people. And they saw them from their yellow airplane, the missionaries did. And they let down a rope and put things in a, in a basket. And they circled. And they could lower this rope down right into the camp. And were trying to make contact with them. Eventually they came and they landed on a sandbar. And then the native came. And they were friendly, seemingly. But before it was all said and done, all five men were killed right there on that sandbar. And the fabric, it was like a biplane, you know, the older planes, it was ripped to shreds. You know, uh, Christianity was a little bit on the dangerous side for them. And those missionaries who were killed, their wives, a couple of them, and their children moved to that native village and shared the gospel and led them to Christ. Look it up. And then the guy who killed this one woman's, you remember what her name was? Elizabeth Elliot. Jim Elliot was her husband. The guy who killed her husband, he came to the States and he shared how the darkness had control over them. And these people came and shared the light. And he came to know Christ and the forgiveness. And his whole tribe came to know Christ. And that Indian who killed Jim Elliot became like a grandfather to Jim Elliot's children, traveled with Jim Elliot's wife to churches and to conferences and shared his testimony of what Christ had done in him. That wasn't too safe, was it? But we're talking about people who risked their lives for the sake of Christ. Let me read this once again, and we're just about done. But it says in 2 Corinthians 4.11, Yes, we live under the constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be obvious in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But it has resulted in eternal life for you. Wow. Jim Elliott, one of the five missionaries who was killed, he made this statement. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Wow. Then Ralph Waldo Emerson said, do not follow where the path may lead, but go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. An adventure, when you're following God, the path may not be so clear, but you follow on. Picking back up over here at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, it says, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, and so I speak. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you speak up on his behalf? Yes. Not judgmental, not critical. Just letting people know the good news that God loves and cares about them. Forgives them. He'll help you. You know, in all those difficult times. Oh, there's so much I want to talk about, but I don't have time to do it. Man. 
Well, let me share one final thought. And you'll never guess who said this. Security is mostly a superstition. Now, we like security, don't we? But this person said security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure to danger. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. So says Helen Keller. Helen Keller, you remember she was deaf and she was blind. A little Annie taught her how to read sign language. She learned how to read Braille. And Helen Keller traveled the world over and met the presidents and the leaders and the kings of other nations. She genuinely did. And she was famous. She couldn't see. She couldn't speak. She couldn't hear except through her hands. But she was brilliant. And she was a devoted Christian. And she would tell you that security is found in your relationship with Christ. And be willing to do whatever he wants. Be willing to be a risk taker for Almighty God. That's what she's talking about. Well, we don't have time to go into any more of it really right now. But I want to challenge you to step up to the plate. To, to choose, you know, to, to become part of the adventure that God has created you for. And follow him for the rest of your life. Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask your blessings upon the men and women, boys and girls in this room, and those who are watching online, and those who are in the balcony, and those who are in the cafe. I ask your blessings to be poured out upon each and every one. Help us to reach our full potential. Help us, Father, to, to recognize those things that would try to take your place in our life and not let it happen. And help us, Lord, to slay those giants of doubt and worry and fear and unbelief, all those things that try to stop us and get in our path. Help us, almighty God. You said those who know you will be strong and do great exploits. We believe that, Lord. And we believe as we get to know you, we'll get to know and experience the, that resurrection power in our life right now. Bless my brothers and sisters right now and may this become a reality. May we get closer in our relationship with you than we ever knew was possible. Answer our prayers. And may your promises that you've told us in your, your word and your will, may they become a reality to us. Now, as our heads are bowed, would you just, uh, believers, would you reaffirm your faith in Christ? And those who may not have ever been serious yet with God, but maybe you're willing to allow him to come into your life right now. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. I believe the best is yet to come. And I believe you've got great adventures for me. I believe that Jesus gave his life on the cross. And I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe that resurrection power is available to me. I believe in Jesus. I open my heart wide and I receive him as my savior, as my Lord, and as my friend. I am sorry for my sinful ways. I give the rest of my life to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 